Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller, Robert Glasscock. I'm being a little pensive here, Robert, because if there are children in the room, (laughs) you might want to uh, be a little discreet with this one because we're going to talk about sex in this episode. This was spawned from an episode a couple back when we got into this topic and I was like, oh, man, we need to really pick this apart and give it some fair time. Because, Robert, uh, just a quick question. Of the readings that you've done over the years, you've got somewhere around 60,000, but by now who's counting? How many of them involved at some point in the conversation sexuality or at least it in context of the relationship? 100%. (laughs) All of them. Okay. There we go. That's my point. All right. Let's just kind of take this from the beginning. Sex and astrology. Let's place it first. Where are we talking about on the chart? Well, you can start with any planet. They're all involved in it, particularly the sun, because it rules the natural fifth house of Leo in the natural wheel. So the sun and the moon are a great place to start. They they symbolize men and women, male and female. And we're all part yin and part yang. So we all have this mixture of both in us. The second two planets to look at are always Venus and Mars. Venus is the part, the archetype that rules the emotional, spiritual side of love. Mars is the physical side of love. It's lust. So Mars is, and, and it depends on, for example, Mars in an air sign. Sex is all in their minds. Other people have Mars in, say, an earth sign. In fact, it's very physi- physiological and biological, the urge for sex. Uh, Mars in a fire sign is also part physiological, but it's, a, it's oddly enough a spiritual component, very idealistic with Mars the side of the physical side of of love in a fire sign same with venus in a fire sign aries sagittarius leo those people have romance with the capital r so already we're looking at the sun the moon mars and venus particularly when it comes to love then you want to look at the fifth house do we get water does water get a chance in there too yeah water is absolutely water is the emotional side of love so that with people with those planets and water signs there has to be an emotional part of it now before we go to the fifth i had a reading the other day with somebody who had the same placement that i actually i had two of them in the same week and just to switch this to another group of people who do need that release it was basically Mars on the sun. And because I have that same aspect, we talked for at length because this these were some of the issues she was having. For her, she needs to release. Talk about physical activity. And fortunately, she had found a gym that had a punching bag in it, which was perfect. It's like, oh, my gosh, the better, the, the more physical, the better. There's the physical release. But then I said, and I you know, want to be appropriate here, you need the, the physical but also the sexual release. And boy, her head just started nodding. And that, you know, we <laughs> yeah. went into that. Because like for what you say, it's like that's completely foreign to you. But to her, the other side of it is like, don't give me the emotion. I just need to get this ah out. And that's a big part of this, too. 
this is such a fascinating area. Look, we're all animals, and there are absolutely physiological, biochemical urges to mate, to have sex. You can see it in zoos, animals who are living isolated in zoos. I <laughs> This is perhaps, I don't know whether it's appropriate or not. Once at the San Diego Zoo, which is a magnificent zoo, a cloudy day, I was standing outside the, they don't have bars. They have deep troughs. So you're not separated from the animals. I was at the rhinoceros exhibit watching two rhinos in the process of mating. Fascinating to watch. And then they would disappear into this cave. And at one point, uh, the male rhino came out of the cave. Now he's alone, standing there. And he was perpendicular to me, looking at him. He was standing sideways with this enormous penis, which was still erect. And he was standing there alone, raising his penis up to his belly and letting it flop into the dirt, kicking up dust repeatedly. And I began to realize, my God, he's masturbating, which he was. So these are biological animal urges. We are human beings. Now along comes religion and tribal aspects about how to control sexuality. A lot of it is based on you must reproduce to keep the tribe going. And then there are proscriptions that are also forced on us, which may or may not be natural and so on. So the more you read and educate yourself about sex and reproduction in the animal kingdom, we are animals. It's fascinating. I don't know if this is the place to get into it, but there was a book written back in the 80s by Dr. Bruce Bagemeal, B-A-G-H-M-E-I-L, I think, which photo-documented same-sex, not just sexual acts, but same-sex lifelong relationships across 400 species, including giraffes, great apes, whales, and so on. So this spectrum of sexuality is not either or, cut and dried. It is like a bell curve, really. There are people who, most of us live somewhere in the middle, and then at either end, there are people who are exclusively heterosexual, and at the other end, there are people who are exclusively homosexual, and so on. So we have a lot of culturally imposed proscriptions about the taboos about sex, which have really no basis in scientific fact. And the more you research this, the more interesting it is. So you get back to religion, I mean, to, to astrology, and the houses that particularly are connected with sex are the fifth and the eighth house, depending on the cusp, what you have on the cusp of those houses. I happen to have Taurus ruling my fifth house, which is physical sex. It's an earth sign. Scorpio. Virgo there. Scor mm -hmm. Scorpio here. Well, all right. So yours is emotional. It's also biochemical. But I so I have Taurus ruling my fifth house, which is absolutely sexual pleasure and loving it. And I have Venus, which rules that house in Scorpio, in my tenth house, elevated, top of my chart. And one of the first things I read about myself in the old A to Z delineator with Venus. Ruling my fifth and my tenth is this would make a, a prostitute. And now I'm 21, and I hadn't been in astrology more than a few months when I got this book. And I thought, you know, <laughs> it actually had occurred to me. I could be a kept man. I could find some rich women in Los Angeles. And thankfully, I never did it. But I thought, 
wow, how can this old book? So I began to realize, you know, we have all of these different parts in us. And thank heaven I was an actor for that that period in my life, playing all different kinds of roles. So Venus in Scorpio with me and Taurus ruling my fifth can give me a warning about watch out for excess pleasure, excessive sexuality right off the bat, because Venus and Scorpio can take those things to extremes if you're not careful. The other one is the eighth house for sex. I have Leo in that house ruled by the sun, but I also have Pluto in that house, and Pluto squares my Venus. So right off the bat, when I got into this stuff, I thought, okay, you can be obsessive compulsive about pleasure, and that includes sex. You can also be obsessive compulsive about the arts, which I am and always have been. But it, again, astrology gave me a warning about it. You need to be aware of this in your chart because I could be very sexually compulsive if I were not aware of it. So those two houses, the fifth and the eighth, and the rulers of those houses and the planets in those houses, plus looking at the sun, the moon, Mars, and Venus, will give you a lot of information about that person's sexuality. And it's a, it's a combination of factors, fire, earth, air, and water, and cardinal, fixed, and mutable. So some of them, for example, the fixed signs will tend to be a little more loyal and stable, but they can also be the most compulsive. Mutable signs tend to be more experimentative and freedom-loving and independent, and so on. So it's, it's not a matter of one or two factors here. You've got to really combine. This is what we mean by synthesis in a, in a horoscope, is synthesize all of these factors. as And they're different houses. The fifth house has nothing to do with marriage. It is experimentative. It's dating. It's romance. It's love. But as long as you're not living together, and as long as you're not married, it's a fifth house relationship. Either one of the parties can, you're exploring each other to see if you're going to go further with this. The minute you move in together, whether you're legally married or not, it becomes a seventh house relationship. Because now you're sharing responsibilities like you weren't when you were dating. Now, if you're living together, who pays the rent? Who pays half of the rent? And so on. Who does the dishes? Who does the laundry? So you've, you can't just walk out of that without some penalty. If you walk out of a live-in relationship, suddenly the other one is stuck for the rent and so on. And if you're married, then you have a legal document that that is a financially and legally binding document. You can't just leave a marriage with no penalty. So that kind of relationship is really completely different than just a fifth house relationship. So those are things, too, to pay attention to. And there really are people who have high, strong libidos and people who have very low libidos. People are very inhibited sexual, sexually. There are people, and I've said this to clients, there are people who have never had sex without alcohol or drugs. Never have. I'm sure Neptune is at the party on that one. Well, not only Neptune, but Saturn, too. The reason that they don't have sex without drugs or alcohol is because they're inhibited about it. And the first thing alcohol or drugs do is lower inhibition. So when they have a drink or have do some drugs, they feel suddenly like they belong to the group or they belong to other people. Without the drugs, they very often are blocked and don't, and don't feel like they belong. So that's another factor that you, and then you begin to consider the outer planets, which is where you get the complications of sex. Things like 
really compulsive sexuality, and there are such people. So you have to factor all those things into it. It's a wonderful study, but it's it's very powerful. Sex really does transform people whenever you have it. You know, you go back to that analogy that you used at the zoo, and you realize, I mean, a big biological <laughs> part of being human is making sure there are more humans after us. And that's um, what's taken care of there. Just nature did that all by itself. But scores, if you will, of libido, can you tell that in the chart? Or is it really that uh, people just have different levels and you might be a Scorpio with Mars in there and not be that libido oriented? And you might have, I don't know, some other Neptune in Cancer, and you might be you know, like the rhinoceros. Well, you can you can begin to certainly to estimate the strength of the sex drive. Um, Neptune tends to if it's in square or hard aspects, let's say square opposition in conjunct. If it's in a hard aspect with Mars, Neptune can weaken the libido. It can also indicate people who do need to have a drink or two or do some marijuana or drugs to really f- release their libido. But it can it can also indicate, say, Mars in, in conjunct Neptune can indicate impotence in a man, for example. And alcohol, from far from affecting that and helping it, uh, alcohol <laughs> weakens the ability to get an erection in men as a rule. So it's a complicated situation, but that's one way you can begin to look at, uh, if you're talking about the libido, you're talking about the Mars part of love. It's the the animal lust, just that. And some people, Mars in fire signs, will tend to have a stronger libido, whether it's in man's chart or a woman's chart, they just will have a stronger libido. Uh, sometimes Mars in water signs, especially Mars in Scorpio, for example, can have a pretty strong libido. Mars in Pisces can have a pretty weak or up and down libido. There can be times in their lives where, depending on the groups that they're associated with, uh, they can seem to have a strong libido. Other times they can live like a monk and not miss sex at all. So you have to kind of weigh all these different considerations when you're looking at it, but that's a, a place to start. And then the other thing is the moon signs, because when you're living with somebody else, the moon signs, you do better when they are compatible than when they're not. As far as living, the moon sign really is who anybody is on a day-to-day basis, male or female. It doesn't matter. I'm a Libra sun, but my moon is in Aries, and that's who I am day-to-day to live with as much as parts of it I love. Parts of it are kind of impossible for somebody to live with. And and my moon happens to rule my seventh house of, of marriage. So I'm pretty much, it turns out, a solitaire, really. I much prefer living my life single. I'm not a hermit. But so the moon signs are, are, are very indicative of, of compatibility in terms of everything, libidos especially. So if you have one with, a, let's say, a Mars and moon in fire signs and a partner with uh, Mars and moon in Pisces or something like that, a whole different kind of libido. You know, and you can still work together. 
On that libido issue, I was married to a physician for about seven years and female physician, female client base, and we were in our 40s during that time. And she made an observation a number of times that she said, I just can't tell you how many women come in here that don't want to have sex with their husbands. Now, as I start thinking about this astrologically, so they were obviously looking for medical help for that, but as I start thinking about this astrologically, I'm thinking, well, what would happen in the 40s that would trigger that? And obviously, raising kids and you've been married for a while, there's a separation of disinterest. But in the chart, you were just mentioning the moon. That's the age of the second progressed moon return. So that happens. And then also that's right in there around the um, Uranus opposition. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Something else about sex and men especially. Men and women have a different relationship with sex. Men can become sexually aroused in five seconds and over virtually anything. (laughs) It depends. Uh, But they can often forget women, if you just look at the symbols astrologically, men are symbolized by Mars, which is the circle of the whole, W-H-O-L-E, the whole with an arrow pointing outward. The arrow symbolizes the external sex organ in a man, the penis. A woman's symbol, for medical symbol, is Venus, the circle of the whole with the cross of matter, which is the same thing as the arrow for Mars, but it's below the circle of the whole or the holistic. So women's sexual organs are internal, not external, and that's the difference. Men often think, if I just am a hunk and show off myself physically, that's going to arouse this woman. They forget that, no, 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 you've got to reach a woman on an internal level. It takes a lot of consideration and romance to begin to truly arouse a woman. She responds more to that than she does, really. Women can be attracted to men because they drive a Ferrari, and that may be the attraction, but when it comes to sex, they want some sensitivity about the internal aspects of love. They want to be made love to. They want to be romanced. Men, as we all know, can separate romance from sex. Oh, honey, she meant nothing to me. And it's true. She didn't. But to the woman, it's a big threat. You see what I mean? So just the biology of sex, you can look at the external organs and and realize that difference. So men have a lot to learn And some men are very naturally gifted with making love to women. They really love women, and they have the tenderness and the patience to arouse them romantically and slowly and keep building. And women, again, are capable of multiple orgasms, which men generally are not. So it's a whole different process, and men can learn a lot by paying attention, listening to women and what they want and what they like, and what they need. But it's a different kind of sexuality, really, in both, which is fascinating when you get into gay and lesbian couples. Very different. Gay men like to have fun. They're quite fine with a lot of them. Multiple partners, open marriages. Gay women tend to be much more nesting and more private and walled off in a way. And they're much more domestic. They, they couple up 
as gay women. And they make excellent parents, as we've seen in scientific research. Gay men, less so. Gay couples are not nearly the kinds of parents that gay women can be. So even in that aspect of sex, homosexuality, there's a big difference between men and women. It's something you can only learn about this stuff by educating yourself. You can't listen, just listen to some idiot talk about it. Go look at the books. Fascinating. Yeah, it is. And I knew when we got into this that we would have a lot more, and we have left a bunch on the table. So we'll come back and pick this up again in some future episodes. And that really segues us to, if you have a question, it has to be a broad question. We can't take individual chart questions. That's for readings. But if you have a general question about sex or sexuality and you'd like to pitch it to Robert, go ahead and leave it on the SpeakPipe message system that we have over on the funastrology.com website. It's in the upper left there. And you can uh, we'd be happy to take that on if it's something that is broad spectrum for the entire audience. And if you would like to check in with Robert for a reading for yourself, the link to that is in the show notes. And if you'd like to leave us a message, we do that on the funastrology.com website up at the upper left. The SpeakPipe link, it's the orange button. You don't have to leave your name or an email. It's completely anonymous if you want it to be. Much more in there, including our shop, the YouTube channel, Discord, etc. The show notes attached to this episode. We'll see you next time on Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. Thanks for listening.